Amen. That was awesome. Thank you, Cynthia, for sharing. She disappeared. Thank you, Cynthia, for God is alive. She disappears. Thank you, Cynthia, for sharing that song with us um, for band. And, um, you know, can y'all believe it's Thanksgiving already? It's come up quick, hadn't it? It's like it was just summer. Now we're in Thanksgiving. The holiday is going to be kicking off soon. And um, if you were able to join us this Wednesday for our potluck Thanksgiving feast as a church, I just have to say, I'm not worried about anybody eating well this Thanksgiving because y'all know how to cook. Okay, the food was awesome. It was a great time as we came together looking forward to this week. And I'm looking forward to this Thanksgiving. Um, Actually, as a married couple, it's going to be the first time that Emily and I have had Thanksgiving with her side of the family. Uh, Last year, we were with my side of the family. (laughs) Is that like a prayer request? I don't know. Um, but we're looking forward to that, and you know, her family and my family, like, if you're married, you know this, you know, families celebrate Thanksgiving a little bit differently. My house, wake up early because my nieces and nephews are running around crazy, and immediately on the TV, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, okay? We got some people in here who watch that. So Emily's house is probably going to be a little more lower key. We'll be in her childhood bedroom, pink walls surrounded by all her childhood friends, and uh, we'll wake up, probably sleep in a little bit. And then my family, it gets going quick because we have a big Thanksgiving lunch at my Nana's house, all my aunts and uncles, all my cousins. It's just craziness. So it's cooking, getting ready, going there. Emily's house, it's a lot more low-key during the day from from what I know. It's kind of relaxed. There's not really lunch. It's kind of skip lunch, and it's Thanksgiving dinner, right? Anybody do Thanksgiving dinner in here? So my house, we don't really even eat Thanksgiving dinner. Um, We just kind of relax, so we'll have... Thanksgiving dinner with Emily's parents, and after that, they do things like play board games, sit and talk with each other. My family, everybody just does their own thing, right? Go take a nap. Last year, Emily was horrified when we went to Target on Thanksgiving night, and she was like, never again. Uh, I was like, you know, welcome, welcome to the family. Um, so, you know, things are a little bit different. They call it stuffing. We call it dressing because we know what it is. It's dressing, right? Um, and so, you know, there's some differences, and there's some things about my family I you know, I'm going to miss, but there's some things about my family and our Thanksgiving celebration that I'm not going to miss, and one of those is being the DRP. And now, if you're not familiar with what the DRP is, the DRP stands for Designated Religious Person. (laughs) And so, this is the person that has to say the blessing every Thanksgiving, right? Think about your family. If you say a blessing before the meal, who that person is in your family. They are the DRP. It's just like default. They know that they have to say the blessing every single year. They probably have to read the Christmas story. Look, if there's a funeral, they're going to do the eulogy. It's just that that's how it is. They are the designated religious person of that family. And at some point in my family, I think it was when I was in seminary, that role came to me. Because for many years, it was my aunt. She's a pastor. She's a district superintendent in the Methodist church, oversees churches in North Georgia. And so for her, every time she did the blessing, but then it came to me. And while if you're the, anybody in here know that you're the designated religious person in your family? Look, you know this if you are, because you're the one, you're going to say the blessing. You already know it. And you know, sometimes it gets frustrating to me. It's a bit of an honor, but it's frustrating because you look around and there's 37 other people who could pray. <laughs> and they won't do it. They refuse to do it. And so sometimes out of spite, you know what, I'll just say, let us pray. God is great. God is good. Let's thank him for our food. Amen. Just to model it for people, it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be complicated. I don't have a special line to God. Nobody in your family has more access to God than you do. But for some reason in our families, every friend group has this person as well. There is this role, the DRP. And now, if you've seen Talladega Nights, 
Ricky Bobby was the DRP, said the blessing. We're not going to show it. It's inappropriate uh, after researching it this week. In uh, a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, they ask who's going to give thanks, and then Linus steps up to the plate. And so we kind of have this dynamic. And now, look, I, I know this week you might be expecting Uncle Joey or Aunt Janet or your dad or your mom to say the blessing once again. But my hope is that after this sermon is over that you will feel equipped and empowered to give thanks to God, whether you end up giving the Thanksgiving blessing or not. But I hope that maybe you'll understand why we give thanks, how to give thanks, and that even if you don't do it at your Thanksgiving meal, that you'll be doing it personally. Because giving thanks to God isn't something that's reserved for just a few people. Giving thanks to God is something we were each created to do. And throughout the Bible, we see lots of examples of people giving thanks to God. I mean, last week we talked about Paul and his prayers at the beginning of his letters, giving thanks to God on behalf of the different churches. Mary, after she finds out she's going to give birth to Jesus, she, she gives a song of thanks and praise to God. Moses and Miriam, after they crossed through the Red Sea, after God did a mighty act, they broke out in words of thanks and praise. But I think where praise and thanksgiving is really on full display in the Bible is in the book of Psalms. Because it's in the Psalms that we just see unrelenting, unabashed, unashamed praise and thanksgiving to God. And now the Psalms a lot of times don't get preached on in churches because they can be hard to preach on because they're not stories, they're not narratives like we're used to hearing about Jesus' life. They're not teachings like Paul has in his letters commanding the church to do certain things, to not do certain things. The Psalms instead, they're songs, they're prayers, they're more poetry. And really they're poetry and songs lifted up by individuals in the nation of Israel to God. These were originally prayed and sung to God and then God in his own providence has now given them back to us through the Bible so that we can use them as prayers to him as well. So that we can use the Psalms to give expression to what we're feeling and to what we're experiencing in everyday life. And if you're familiar with the Psalms at all, you know that there are Psalms of anger, there are Psalms of despair, there are Psalms of, of depression, really. There are Psalms that give words to all sorts of things that we feel and experience. And one of those things is praise and thanksgiving. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at one of those Psalms, diving deep into it, and it's Psalm 100. And 45. So if you have your Bible or, or your phone, I invite you to open it up as we read it together. Um, but even if you don't, we'll have it on the screen for you here. And this is a psalm, and it's, it's the only psalm where in the little subscript it says a psalm of praise. And lifted up by David. And so I want to read it to you. Psalm 145, and I'm going to be reading from the Common English Bible uh, translation this morning. Here's what we read. I will lift you up high, my God, the true king. I will bless your name forever and always. I will bless you every day. I will praise your name forever and always. For the Lord is great and so worthy of praise. God's greatness can't be grasped. One generation will praise your works to the next one, proclaiming your mighty acts. They will talk about the glorious splendor of your majesty. I will contemplate your wondrous works. They will speak of the power of your awesome deeds. I will declare your great accomplishments. They will rave in celebration of your abundant goodness. They will shout joyfully about your righteousness. 
The Lord is merciful and compassionate, very patient and full of faithful love. The Lord is good to everyone and everything. God's compassion extends to all his handiwork. All that you have made gives thanks to you, Lord. All your faithful ones bless you. They speak of the glory of your kingdom. They talk all about your power to inform all human beings about God's power and the majestic glory of God's kingdom. Your kingdom is a kingship that lasts forever. Your rule endures for all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all that he says, faithful in all that he does. The Lord supports all who fall down, straightens up all who are bent low. All eyes look to you, hoping, and you give them their food right on time, opening your hand and satisfying the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, faithful in all his deeds. The Lord is close to everyone who calls out on him, to all who call out on him sincerely. God shows favor to those who honor him, listening to their cries for help and saving them. The Lord protects all who love him, but he destroys every wicked person. My mouth will proclaim the Lord's praise, and every living thing will bless God's holy name forever and always. Amen. Here we just see these words of praise and thanksgiving overflowing from David's heart. And now in the English translations, while we do get the beautiful languages listed up, one of the things that we don't see is that the psalm is actually an acrostic. Are you all familiar with acrostics? Where each line starts with the next letter of the alphabet. So this, this is actually an acrostic in Hebrew. And so it starts with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and each successive line begins with a different letter. And so it goes all the way from the beginning to the end. And you can imagine this would have been very helpful for people as they memorized this and as they sang it when they woke up, as they prayed it when they went to bed. If you were a child, this would have been a psalm that they would likely have memorized because it would have been easy thinking through the different letters. And what I love about it being acrostic is this image that it gives that God is to be praised and thanked for everything. From, from the beginning, from A to the end, to Z. And everything in between, God deserves complete praise from us. And so I love that that comes out in this, uh, in this translation. Um, but one of the things that, that we do see in the English translation is this, this back and forth. There's words of praise and thanksgiving. And then we see why that praise and thanksgiving has been given. We see praise, and then we see the reason for the praise. And now this is important to notice here because if you're going to say a blessing or you're just going to thank God in your personal prayer time, if you're going to express gratitude to God, it's important to understand why. Otherwise, it just becomes just a rote thing. It just becomes kind of powerless. But if we're going to give praise and thanksgiving that honors God, we have to always remember why we give that praise and thanksgiving, the reason behind it. And we see that here in the psalm. In verses 1 through 3, if you'll notice, David writes, I will lift you up high, my God, the true king. I will bless your name forever and always. I will bless you every day. I will praise your name forever and always. And then we see the reason why. For the Lord is great and so worthy of praise. God's greatness can't be grasped. So here after David gives these words of praise, we see him given the reason why. And it's because God is great. God is the creator of the cosmos. 
God is the ruler over all things. He is the Lord of lords. He is the king of kings. And as he says, God's greatness can't be grasped. And that's something to give God praise for. That he is the author of all creation of your life and my life. He is the sustainer of it all. And even when we can't sense it, even when we can't see it or quite understand how it all works together, we give God praise because of it. Because he is above all else. Here we see David giving praise because God is great, because of God's transcendent nature that stands above us. But then he continues on. It's not just that that God's great. In verses 4 through 7, he gives more words of praise. And then we come to more reasons why we should give praise. He says this, For the Lord is merciful and compassionate, very patient and full of faithful love. The Lord is good to everyone and everything. God's compassion extends to all his handiwork. And here we get an image of God that the great God we worship and serve doesn't just stand outside of time. He's also concerned with his handiwork. He's not just transcendent. He's imminent. He is with us. He is alive and he cares about every living thing. He is merciful, compassionate, patient, and full of faithful love. And David knew these attributes personally in his life. He had experienced these things from God. And so in response to that, he gives God praise. And this is the really the pattern of thanksgiving that we see in the Bible. God gives... God acts, and then we respond with praise and thanksgiving. God is the first, and then we respond secondly with praise and thanksgiving. And, you know, David, he could only look forward to the day when the Messiah would come. He, he knew the prophecies. He looked forward to that day when Christ would come into this world and establish a kingdom without end. But he could only hope for it. He didn't see it come to pass. But we know about Jesus. And we know that Jesus is the fulfillment of these verses. That Jesus is the complete fulfillment of God's mercy, of God's compassion, of his patience and of his faithful love. Because in Jesus, we see Jesus, he really embodies all of these things fully and truly. Because in Jesus, we see mercy. You know, mercy is not getting what you deserve. And while we deserve punishment, while we deserve separation from God, while we deserve death because of our sin, because we've said to God, God, I I don't care what you think. God, I I don't care about you. I want to do what I want. Because we've said that to God, we deserve separation from him. But God has mercy on us. He doesn't give us what we deserve. But he doesn't just have mercy on us. He actually has grace. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. God gives us grace through Jesus Christ. We have the opportunity for forgiveness, for new life in him, for salvation through faith. God brings us back together in relationship with him through Jesus because of his mercy and his grace. And in Jesus, we don't just see mercy, we also see compassion. When you look at Jesus, he didn't go around condemning people. He didn't go around heaping more shame upon people. No, he met people where they were. He cared for their needs. He had full compassion on them. In Jesus, we see patience, the patience David talks about. Jesus was so patient with the disciples, right? When they didn't get it, when they were slow to understand, Jesus is so patient with us, with you and with me, when we disobey him, when we run from him, he's so patient to chase after us 
and to pursue us. And in Jesus, we see that he is full of faithful love. That there's no greater act of love than to lay down your life for somebody. And that's what Jesus did for us. He laid down his life on the cross so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be set free, so we could receive new life here and in eternity. We see Jesus is the fulfillment of these passages, of these mighty acts of God. And in studying this week, I found the Hebrew term for gratitude, it literally means recognizing the good. And that's what David's doing here. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to recognize the good in our life. And especially the good work that Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. But then as David continues in the psalm, he continues to give more reasons for praise. And he lists out a bunch of reasons in verses 13 through 20. He says, the Lord is trustworthy. He's faithful. He supports those who fall down. He brings up all those brought low. He gives sustenance to us. He satisfies all of our desires. And he is close to everyone who calls out on him sincerely. And so I think, you know what? I was making a joke earlier about that old blessing. God is great. God is good. Let's thank poor food. You know the kids say it that fast every time. But that sums up God's work well. God is great, and God is good, and that's why we give God gratitude, because he's great and because he's good. And I don't know if your family does this activity at Thanksgiving, but I love it when families do it. It's that before the meal, everybody circles up, and people go around and say one thing that they're grateful for. And this, if you don't do this, it's a great thing to start in your family because even if your family's not super spiritual or religious, you, you can still do this. Ask people to go around and say one thing that they're grateful for because this is a tangible way that you can recognize the good in your life, the good that God has brought to you and to your family, and then to respond by giving God thanks and praise. God gives, we acknowledge the gift, and we respond with praise and thanksgiving. And for us as Christians, the greatest thing God has given us is his son, Jesus Christ. When we were lost, when we were broken, when we were downtrodden, Jesus, he chased after us. He went to the cross and he rose again so that we could have new life. And that's something worth praising. And so David, he, he gives us kind of the why we should give gratitude and praise. He starts with the why, but he doesn't just leave us with the why. He also Let's us know how we can give praise and thanksgiving in this song. This isn't like, you know, he's giving us specific teachings, but as he is writing in the psalm, we see a lot of different verbs, a lot of different ways we can give praise. And this is very helpful because, you know, the thanksgiving blessing, while it's important, it's more important to, to give thanks every day. And it's not just through prayer that we can give thanks to God. David also says in verse 1, I lift you up high. We can exalt God. And, and while that's poetic language, we can actually do that in tangible ways in our lives. By putting God first. By putting God first in our family. By putting God first in our finances. Putting God first in our schedule. Whenever we put God before everything else, it's a way of saying to God, God, you are great. You are the Lord of lords and you're the Lord of my life. And when we exalt God to that proper place, it's an act of praise and thanksgiving. But he continues. He, he gives more reasons. He says, praise God's name and his works. 
It's a way to express praise and thanksgiving, and we do that each week in worship. And now, contrary to what some people believe, the music at the beginning of our service isn't a warm-up for the sermon, okay? It is an essential act of our gathering each week. As we praise God's name, and as we recount what God has done for us and for other people, we sing out, we praise his name and his works. And so that's an important way that we do that as we gather each week. And he also says, shout joyfully. Y'all ever have those moments where you just overflow with praise and you just shout joyfully to God? Probably not because y'all are a little uptight like me. But you know who does that? You know who does that well? Thomas Tatum right here. Thomas in our church, he gives shouts of joy to God. And you know what? I'll say this is true for pretty much any preacher. When you shout for joy in a sermon or in a worship or any time like that, they love it. And it's just a great way to express the overflow of your heart to God. And you know what? I wasn't going to do this, but let, let's just give God, let's just let loose a little bit, okay? You know what? It's Thanksgiving week. We can do that around here. Uh, we don't have as many guests yet. It's not Christmas. You know, we can be weird. Um, so I want you to, on, on three, give, give, give God a shout of joy and praise, okay? Three, two, one. Woo! <laughs> All right. You know, that's a way that we give God praise and thanksgiving. You can do that in your car. You can do that in the shower. You can do that at home. Don't be afraid. In the Psalms, we see people dancing. Express yourself. God wants to express ourselves fully. And then he, David also mentions contemplating his wondrous works. And last week, we, we talked about taking time to slow down, to stop, and to reflect, because a lot of us were so busy that we, we can't contemplate what God's done in our life. We can't recognize how God's given to us or act on our behalf because we're so busy. But John Ortberg, who I quoted last week, he also says this, more gratitude doesn't come from more things or more experiences, but from an awareness of God's presence and his goodness. And so as we contemplate God's wondrous works, gratitude grows inside of us. And this week, Emily's been doing this in a, in a cool way. Each night before bed, she has a gratitude journal where she just writes down a few things that she's thankful to God for as, as she goes to sleep. And that's a great way to do it. You could do this in the morning, you could do this in the evening. Just have a little notebook where you contemplate God's wondrous works and you write down and give God thanks for what he's done. And then another way David mentions is proclaiming God's mighty acts and speaking his power to others. It's a way to give praise and thanksgiving. I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way. When you tell other people what God has done in your life, it's a way of giving God praise. It's a way of expressing thanks. It's an overflow from your heart to somebody else. And a lot of times it has a huge, huge impact. And so David, he, he tells us why we should give praise. He goes through and he explains some ways how we can give praise. But rather than you thinking, you know what, shouting for joy is just for some people, you know, who are a little energetic and out there. Rather you thinking, you know what, saying the blessing or singing in worship or telling other people about what God's done in your life. You might think that's, that's reserved for some people. David makes it very clear that those things aren't just for some people. They are for all people because he says this in verses 10 and 21. All that you have made gives thanks to you, Lord. 
May all your faithful ones bless you, and every living thing will bless God's holy name forever and always. And so once again, we see that giving gratitude, it isn't for a select few. It's something that God has created each of us to do. And over and over again in the psalm, one of the things you see is that he says, every day. This isn't just a one hour a week on Sunday morning thing. This isn't just a Thursday before your meal ritual. God wants us to give gratitude every single day. And so to help you with that this week, you'll actually, if you look in your bulletin on the bottom left-hand corner is a list of psalms. And so we've just given you this as kind of a daily reading so that you can read a psalm each morning. Maybe you want to do this as a family, as a couple. Maybe you want to just do this on your lunch break. Wherever you are, these psalms are psalms of praise and thanksgiving. And our hope is that you'll use these this week and, and have words to give expression to your praise because this is something God wants us to do constantly. To recognize the good he has done and to respond with gratitude. And to help you kind of see what this might look like in our world today. Uh, I want to invite up somebody, Michelle Stanfield. I want to invite up Michelle. She's going to come and share with us a little bit uh, about what gratitude looks like in her life, um, in the highs of life, and in the lows of life. So will you give, will y'all give Michelle a round of applause as she comes up? So Michelle came to me a few weeks ago, well, actually a few months ago now, um, with a little bit of her story, and, um, you know, just in, in prayer last week, you know, the message and the stories we heard last week were so powerful, um, and so, I'm going to scoot back so you can see her, um, and so Michelle, we'd love for you to uh, tell us a little bit about your story, and just a little background on Michelle. Michelle and her husband, Greg, and their daughter, Finley, um, they got connected to our church through PALS, our early learning program our preschool here, and um, been attending worship a while, getting connected and getting involved, um, and then had, had a rough patch, yeah. to say the least, recently. So tell us a little bit about what's, what, what's been going on. Um, can you hear me? Okay. In July of this year, um, I started not feeling well, and I had the telltale signs of a kidney stone. Um, I've gotten them on and off my entire life and know how to deal with them. So my first thought was, oh, gosh, not now. I don't have time for this. Um, We have a three-year-old, and our three-year-old is also on the autism spectrum. So she has a lot of therapy every week. And um, I just thought, this isn't a good time. It never is. Um, But I still knew how to handle it and did everything I needed to do. But... What I didn't know is that a kidney stone can get stuck. And when it gets stuck, it can be very bad. And so rather than take care of it like I should have, I just didn't necessarily ignore it, but I just kept going. Um, Meanwhile, it just got worse. And so I finally went to the doctor. I got to the doctor at 1.30 on a Thursday, and I was in emergency surgery by 5.30 in the afternoon. Um, That night, I would be told that I had something called sepsis, and the next day, be told that it had turned into septic shock. Uh, What you're not familiar with is when you're, a lot of people refer to it as blood poisoning, 
Um, it's where the infection just spreads over your entire body and in a response to that, all your organ systems begin to shut down. Um, and the really scary part came when it's the middle of the night and I wake up and it's not abnormal if you've ever spent time in the hospital, if you've had a baby or had surgery, they never leave you alone. Mm -hmm. They come in all the time to take what seems like all of your body fluids out of, out of <laughs> you and don't let you rest or sleep. But this time I woke up and it was different. There was a doctor in the room. There were a ton of nurses. And the doctor looked at me and he goes, are, are you okay? And I said, yeah. He's like, do you know what happened? Um, you woke me up. And he said, you're heart almost stopped beating. I was told that my blood pressure had gone to 60 over 30 and my heart rate was in the 20s and they had used life-saving measures to bring me back. And before he left, he kind of nonchalantly said, you know, not many people survive what you're going through. It has an 80% mortality rate. I suggest you get in touch with your family and get your affairs in order. And this was three o'clock in the morning, so mm -hmm. it was a very... This was in, in July, you said? Yeah. So you're there in the hospital room, obviously not in a place where you can really do all of that that he said. No. no. Um, so w what did you do? Um, well, it was scary, to say the least. I think if, if you've ever gone through anything that um, makes you question whether or not you'll live through it, the first thing you think about is your family. And the first thing I thought was this, I hope this isn't it, this can't be it. And you think about all the things that are left undone and um, all the things that you can't really do anymore. Uh, I didn't know if I would live much longer. And the crazy part is, is I don't remember even being worried about that so much as I was worried about my family, my husband, my daughter, and all the things that would need to be taken care of. So in the midst of that, um, you told me uh, after the sermon on desperation that some of y'all might remember of the woman with the issue of blood that you, uh, that night, you, you, you said a prayer to God. You just kind of opened up and you were honest yeah. with God. What was that like? So it was, it was instinct almost. I wasn't brought up in the church. I don't or didn't really understand the things of God. I was just beginning to learn as uh, we began coming to the church uh, but it was just instinct to ask for help. I didn't ask for my life to be saved. I just felt like I was at the end and needed God to show up and to do the things that I couldn't and to take care of the people that I could not take care of. And I think my perception of God had always been that, okay, if, if he shows up, in a, it'll be in a big way and I'll notice mm. and everyone will see. But what I quickly learned is that's not really always the case, that um, my perception of what I thought God was or what my life was was quite different from the actual reality. And once my perception changed, I was actually able to see how all the little things added up uh, to make a difference in my life mm. and in my family's life. And uh, it would be the next day, actually, that he would come to visit me. And my first thought was, you know, we, we weren't members of this church. And yeah, we she said, we're not members. Why are you here? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? I didn't know I only had to visit members. That's yeah. awesome. No, I, and I was like, no, we visit everybody here. If there's a need, we want to we care for you. So yeah. you were shocked. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was shocked. I was like, oh, he's 
he had to have been seeing someone else, and oh, I know her, but it wasn't the case. He, um, <laughs> he was there to see me, and he cared, uh, which was amazing, and he prayed over me and said, what was amazing for us is, okay, well, anything that you and your family need, not just you, but your family, uh, we're going to help you, and we're going to take care of you. Um, you know, my family is, is very different from what you might consider a typical or nuclear family. We're not close. I come from a family that's very broken. And so what was amazing for me is how, I guess, God in a way showed us that you can have family um, that comes from anywhere and everywhere. Mm -hmm. And that would start to transpire over the next couple of weeks and it was mm. pretty amazing to yeah. see. Um, we had people that were cooking for us. We had teachers from Finley's program. Miss um, Melissa was her teacher and Miss Hope the year before. They were cooking for us. And uh, one of my favorite things in the whole world is food. It's mm. awesome. <laughs> I'm eating breakfast and I'm already thinking about what I'm going to eat for lunch. It drives my husband crazy at times. <laughs> so when you bring me free food, especially really mm. good food, mm. uh, it's wonderful to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, they were helping us. My husband was trying to juggle his civilian job plus take care of our daughter with, with no help. It was just him. My, my family kind of, ref, you know, most of them kind of refused or we mm. had been apart so long that it didn't make sense to them to help. Mm. Um, so those women from the PALS program stepped in and took care of Finley. She never knew that anything was different or anything was mm. wrong because she was surrounded by love. And wow. so it was just pretty incredible for us to sit back and watch. You don't realize, I guess, just how much people can care mm. um, until I think something or you find yourself pretty desperate mm. and realize that there are plenty of people out there who will love you, not because they have to, um, because they want to. Mm. And it's yeah. really changed our life. Yeah. And so, I mean, you're, you're talking about being in the hospital like, you had time to contemplate and think, and, and that was kind of when you began recognizing God giving to you and God acting in your life in small ways. And um, I know you're still on your kind of journey yeah. of recovery and um, going through a, um, a very intensive treatment right now. So what does it look like for you? Because, I mean, you've said this to me. What does it look like for you to give gratitude in the midst of what most of us would look at and say, like, oh, my gosh, like, how do you give gratitude and thanks in the midst of something like that? What's that been like for you? Um, it's actually easier than you might think it would be because you start to notice. I now notice the things that I never noticed before, all the small things that kind of weave themselves together um, to provide for you and take care of you. Um, you know, one of the biggest things I notice now is, or that I'm grateful for, is eye contact. Hmm. Um, you know, once I lost my hair, because I'm doing chemotherapy, um, you, I have to be out in public. You have to still keep living and do all the things that you need to do. And 95% of the people that I come in contact with, they don't, they don't want to make eye contact. They will. I've actually seen somebody run into a partition. Wow. And I don't. Yeah. And I laughed. <laughs> Didn't mean to. Um, and I don't think that it's anything really negative or mean-spirited. I think it's sometimes mm -hmm. hard to face the reality of, of what can happen. Mm -hmm. I'm young, and 
I think most people assume that the chemotherapy I'm doing is for cancer, and I think that's sometimes mm. hard to, to see. Or if I do get eye contact, it's the, it's the pity, mm. the pity look like. So being grateful for just the people acknowledging right. you for who you are and as yeah. a person. Yeah, and mostly when we get that, it's, it's here at this church. So mm. when, it's, when it's genuine, genuine mm. eye contact, um, it makes a huge difference. And little things matter. I mean, just this morning, I just met Miss Geraldine last week. And this morning she came over with hats that she handmade mm. for me. Because if, if you don't have hair, you're, you're cold. Mm. You're really cold in the mm. winter. And so that, uh, <laughs> I see you like it. Um, it makes a huge difference. <laughs> I just saw you kind of like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's little things that I don't think that you notice. It's, it's not, you know, chemotherapy is, uh, it's very taxing. It takes a toll. It, uh, it makes you hurt all the way to your bones. Hmm. So many times I would love to just get in bed and pull the head pull my head under the covers and sleep mm. I can't because I have a three-year-old mm-hmm. and there are times when I get frustrated with that but honestly I think it's what keeps you going mm. keeps you moving it doesn't allow you to stay in that place where you can feel sorry for yourself because no matter um, how hard it is at times no matter how sick I feel what I realize is I'm still here mm. and there's wow. still so much you can do so mm. I'm really grateful wow well that is awesome that is- If you'll step here for a minute, we're going to pray for you in just a second. Um, and you know, like the psalm says, um, this week, uh, I thought it'd be a perfect week to share the testimony because I think it's in verse 19. It's, you know, I cried out to the Lord and he heard my cry. And talking about how sharing God's wondrous works in our life is a, is a way of giving praise and thanksgiving. Um, that's what we're seeing here. And um, we're going to pray in just a minute, a prayer of gratitude. But before that, I want to let you know that um, if you were with us last year, you were part of the service, um, you know how profound it was that next week in worship, um, we're going to have a service of praise and thanksgiving. We're going we're gonna to sing songs of praise to God. Um, we're going to give thanks um, through the sharing of Holy Communion. The, the Greek term for thanksgiving is Eucharist. And so we're going to give thanks through the sharing of that. And then instead of a normal sermon, it's going to be a time of testimony where you can share how God has worked in your life in the past year and things that you're grateful to God for. And last year, this was such a powerful service. And so I don't want you to, to skip it out. If, you know, if you're busy and crazy, I'd love for you to come be a part of it and be thinking about what God might want you to share because your story might be in, in just a desperate time um, like Michelle um, or like some other ones we've heard recently. But you know what? It's good to give God praise if your life has just been normal this year. And to just give testimony. Hey, thank you, God, for some normalcy in my life for once. Um, And so um, we're going to give you a chance to speak those words, share them with the church, because we know that encourages the body and uplifts us. Um, That overflow from our lives into one another's is a great way. We're going to give praise and thanks to God next week. Um, But we don't want to just wait until next week. We want to do it today. As we talked about last week, this is something God wants us to take action with. And so in your bulletin this morning, you'll see a little sticky note. Anybody been wondering what the sticky note's for? No, you haven't. Okay. Um, there's, and we also have extra sticky notes up here at the edge of the stage if you didn't get a bulletin on your way in. Um, but as we close our service today, we want to acknowledge that we're called to give God gratitude every day, and that includes right now. And so we want to invite you to write a word, write 
a sentence, write a phrase, write a prayer of something that you're grateful to God for. And, and then after you write that in your seat, um, or, or you can write it up here at the front if you're kneeling in prayer, we want to invite you to come forward and to place it at the edge of our stage here, just as a, as a sign, as a church, of all the things we're thankful to God for. If you want to put your name on it, um, that's fine. We might share some of these next week and just read them out and praise God. Um, but we want to do that together as we celebrate what God has done in our lives. And so as we prepare to do that, um, let's pray for Michelle and pray for, for us and give God thanks. God, you are great. You are great and mighty and worthy to be praised in and out of season. God, you are good. You're so good to us, and, and we know through the good news of Jesus Christ how true that is. And God, we just give you thanksgiving today. We give you thanks for this church body, uh, for the love and for the care that's here, God. We give you thanks for Michelle and for bringing her family to be part of this community. God, we pray for her in her time of need. God, as she goes through another round of treatment this week before Thanksgiving. God, we pray that you would meet her in that place of need. God, meet her family. And as she said about recognizing your work in the small things, God, help us to do that in this moment. Help us to do that today, this week, and beyond. We ask all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I invite you to write, and you can just bring them up and place them here whenever you're finished.